afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are, hello. I'm Dave Rubin, this is the Rubin Report. Direct message for today, April 30th, 2021. That's right, it's the last day of April. Time just continues to roll by at an ever faster pace. Uh, it seems like it was just New Year's and just keeps on going and the crazy train just keeps going down the track. Where it ends up, we do not know, I am back from a couple days in Nashville. I was in the free state of Tennessee, which was pretty freaking spectacular. I taped uh, Candace, which is Candace Owens' new show on The Daily Wire, which will be up tonight. I did the solo interview, so she does some stuff by herself right at the top of the show. Then she does a panel. Then there's a 20 minute like private protected interview. That's the thing that I did, uh, and that will be up uh, six o'clock tonight at dailywire.com. I hope you'll check it out. It was just great to see. You know, watching Candace's rise has just been incredible. One of the things we talk about, uh, I'll give you a little little hint real quick, uh, is that Candace was on my show for the first time in September of 2017. I'm sure many of you saw that interview. At the time, we were doing something called YouTube Week, where I did five interviews in five days with little YouTubers, little YouTubers who were, we just kind of found that we wanted to, you know, give a, a bigger platform to. And we found this girl known as Red Pill Black who had done one video, sort of in essence, uh, it was about waking up and telling your parents that you're a conservative as a, as a black girl. And uh, it went viral, we saw her, we said, okay, let's fly out to LA. Anyway, I sat down with her a minute before we started that interview which if you haven't seen, you should watch it. It'll really give you a, a sort of feeling of how the world has changed so much in these three and a half years since. But a minute before the interview, I realized I didn't even know what her real name was. And I'm turning to my producers going, guys, I can't call her Red Pill Black. Does she have a real name? Found out her name was Candace. We have the interview. Candace and her friend that she was with actually stayed over. David made everybody dinner. We had about 10 hours. They stayed till probably like midnight. We taped it about noon, 12 hours or so. Uh, a couple bottles of wine and a lot of pizza later. Uh, and we've just become fast friends. And, and I mention all this because just watching her rise, watching somebody go from just a little YouTuber to literally someone changing the world, someone who has truly changed the state of the conversation, someone who has walked in the fire, had the mob try to destroy her, have all the stuff with Kanye and then starting Blexit and just all of the stuff that she's done just to become a, a complete great human being and I'm just thrilled that she's got the show and they have a live studio audience in there which was so great to see real human beings and as far as I know nobody died during the taping it was just incredible uh, and you know broadly just Nashville was just wonderful the people are so nice and great and happy the whole Daily Wire team they're so thrilled to have <laughs> left Los Angeles where I am right now and be there and nobody's wearing masks and even when you're at places you know, the hotel where they want you to wear the mask in the lobby or whatever. Like everyone basically just has the mask down and people aren't dying. If they're getting vaccinated, they're getting vaccinated. Everybody's gonna be okay. We realize the world has moved forward. And just everybody was friendly and smiley and I ate a lot of greasy food. I'll get to that in the Q&A in just a second. I'll tell you just one other quick funny thing about Nashville. So I thought, all right, I'm gonna be on Candace's show in Nashville. I'm going to Daily Wire. Shapiro was there, by the way. I, I posted some videos with him. Uh, on our locals community. 
Um, but I thought, all right, I'm gonna get some boots, right? I should get cowboy boots to be on Candace's show. So my producer, Michael, and I, we walk down Broadway there where they've got all the, all the shops and all the honky-tonks and everything else. And I walk into this boot shop and I'm like, I'm gonna get some boots. So I see some boots that I like, try them on. Well, I tried to try them on, I should say, because I realized that I've got LA sort of, you know, tapered. I don't wear slim fit jeans, but I wear, t- you know, jeans that, you know, fit the leg. You can't get boots in those jeans. And now I, for the first time in my life, understand really the purpose of the boot cut. The boot cut is for the boot. I never really put that together. So I was unable to get uh, boots because I didn't want to get new jeans. It was a whole situation. We didn't have a lot of time. Yada, yada, yada. Watch Candace tonight at six o'clock. And yes, today we are doing an Ask Me Anything Q&A. You guys sent a whole bunch of stuff uh, submitted at Ruben Report. .locals.com. Before we get to that, because you know Biden gave this ba- uh, big speech a couple days ago to, I, I guess, both houses of Congress, although there were like four people in the audience and they're all wearing masks and the whole thing is ridiculous theater. Uh, I wanted to comment on some of that. And then he gave a speech yesterday in Georgia where he was heckled and then he was on NBC with more nonsense about masks. So we're gonna do a little compilation of, of Biden stuff right now. Then I'll get to the Q&A. First, here's just a couple of the moments that you've, you've probably seen, uh, but I wanted a chance to analyze and give you my thoughts. So a couple moments from Biden's big speech to Congress. One day shy of the 100th day of my administration. 100 days since I took the oath of office and lifted my hand off our family Bible and inherited a nation, we all did, that was in crisis. The worst pandemic in a century the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. No president has ever said those words From this podium, no president has ever said those words. And it's about time. The middle class built the country, and unions built the middle class. So that's why I'm calling on Congress to pass Protect the Right to Organize Act, the PRO Act, and send it to my desk so we can support the right to unionize. And by the way, while you're thinking about sending things to my desk, <laughs> let's raise the minimum wage to $15. American Families Plan will finally provide up to 12 weeks of paid leave and medical leave, family medical leave. Trickle down. Trickle down economics has never worked. And it's time to grow the economy from the bottom and the middle out. Look. I also want to thank the United States Senate for voting 94 to 1 to pass the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act to protect Asian American and Pacific Islanders. You acted decisively. You can see on television the viciousness of the hate crimes. Ah, so much pandering. Let's do it. One at a time. I've bulleted out some things for you guys. First off, uh, he talks about 100 days. Now, you may remember 
that Joe Biden, candidate Joe Biden, or president-elect Joe Biden said that we'd wear masks for 100 days when he was in office. These idiots are still wearing masks. The two women behind him are fully vaccinated. He's vaccinated. Everyone in that room was vaccinated. They are doing this for pure theater, and clearly uh, they want everyone to be wearing masks after 100 days. He said 100 days, that's what he said a while back. Then, the, the, I mean, there's so many ridiculous lines. To call the January 6th uh, Capitol Hill attack, riots, protests, whatever you wanna call it, to call that the worst attack on our country since the Civil War is, is so profoundly evil and dishonest and just a complete destruction of truth, which is everything that these guys in the media do constantly. Now, I understand that Joe Biden has dementia, but I, it seems to me that it is a fairly severe escalation if he can't remember 9-11, which was only 20 years ago. If he can't remember that, that's a problem. Uh, he may want to think back to uh, Pearl Harbor. That, that was pretty bad there. We also had JFK was assassinated. Uh, there's a bunch of other bad stuff that happened. Now, we know that nobody even had a gun in terms of the people that went to the Capitol. We know that they actually let most of those people in, and that's not to excuse anyone that broke the law or did anything violent or anything else. Um, but if this was an insurrection, as they keep calling it, this was the most pathetic insurrection in the history of the world. If these people were going to attack the seat of power and take over the United States government, they forgot to bring all the weapons, they forgot to have a plan, there was no coordination, it was a bunch of people taking selfies, sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair. It's just absolute nonsense, but that's what they're pushing. Uh, then he pretends to care about the middle class, which of course is complete drivel, because if you cared about the middle class, you would wanna cut taxes so that new businesses could start. And by the way, what you also wouldn't do is call for a $15 minimum wage because new businesses need to pay people less so that they can grow and then eventually they'll pay more. And the government has no right to tell any small business or any business period how much they have to pay people. So that's just dribbleless nonsense. Uh, and oh, and he wants a bottom out economy. That's what he said, a bottom out economy, except they're the people at the top. They wanna control absolutely everything. As he's telling you, he wants a bottom out economy. You want a bottom out economy? Get out of the way. Let people run their lives. Go home. Nobody likes any of you people. I don't think, and the way Nancy Pelosi, did you see that moment? If you didn't catch it, rewind this later. When, when he says, you know, no, we really want a $15, pass a $15 minimum wage. And Nancy Pelosi erupts out of her seat. The fastest she's ever, it's the fastest she's moved since she was going to get her next martini. And it's like, lady, this is a multi-millionaire politician who just wants crumbs for you people as they can use $15 minimum wage to destroy small businesses because Amazon won't have trouble paying it, but the small businesses will. And then in, in like the epic pandering line, of course, uh, that the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which I don't even understand how those things got linked together, but that's what he said, uh, to protect Asian people. And it's like, uh, actually, it's you guys, the Democrats, the lefties, who are the ones that are fermenting all the hatred of Asian people because you're the ones that want quotas in schools. As a matter of fact, not only in schools, but you're gonna want them in the, in the government soon enough. There's no doubt that that's on the way. And as a matter of fact, it was Democrats in a completely partisan vote that uh, they were gonna pass something that was gonna say, basically be a statement. A Congress was gonna pass this, basically be a statement that you wouldn't be allowed to discriminate against Asians in uh, places of higher education, and every single Democrat voted against it. They are voting for systemic racism. That's what they're doing. And by the way, of course, they're trying to make this all seem like it's a bunch of white supremacists attacking Asian people, but you've all seen the videos, and in almost every case, 
it's black people. That is not a condemnation of all black people. But if you keep telling people that some people are privileged and some people are oppressed, they might start attacking those oppressed people and not all those oppressed, they might start attacking all those privileged people. And this is the sort of just disgusting hell that they've brought us to. Anyway, Biden went to Georgia yesterday and despite giving the progressives all the red meat that he possibly could, the protesters there still don't think he's left enough so he figured out a new way to pander. Take a look. I wanna thank you, the people of Georgia. We'll give you a microphone. Uh, folks, Georgia was a uh, hundred days ago today when I was inaugurated on the steps of the United States Capitol to be your president. And I was looking forward to coming back and seeing these guys. I agree with you. I'm working on it, man. Give me another five days. That's what they're talking about. Private detention centers. They should not exist. And we are working to close all of them. All right. First off, you're not going to believe this. We examined the full videotape. He never gave the guy the microphone. He said he was going to give him the microphone. That's the worst thing you can do, by the way. If you're ever on stage, you're ever doing stand-up, doing something where you're holding the microphone, somebody's heck, oh, can you, would you like to take the microphone? No, you don't offer the microphone. And, and he did not offer the microphone, obviously. The guy was chanting uh, about private prisons. It was, there, was, there was a bunch of stuff. It was a little hard to understand some of it. Um, that's an interesting debate, whether we should have private prisons or not. I, I don't really think we should, and we can probably figure out all sorts of way, ways to commute sentences, especially on low-level le drug offenses and all sorts of stuff. That has nothing to do with defunding the police. You guys know my feelings on that. But the last line there was the scary part, the truly radical part, and it's such a perfect example of what is happening with Biden related to the far left. The far left, if you use, the, use this sort of as a metaphor, what was happening there, there's some guy screaming about some position that may or may not be right. That's basically the progressives. All they do is just scream and scream and scream. And then you've got Biden basically pandering to it. So at the end there, uh, he's yelling about abolishing ICE and Biden's basically like, give me five days. Give me five days and we'll take care of that. Now we can have a healthy discussion about what ICE is doing. Are there ways that they should be modified? Should they not have as much power? All of that. But all right, Biden just said it. There you go. He was gonna give the guy the mic and then basically announce that in five days we're abolishing ICE. So we'll see about that. By the way, there's a couple videos that we're not showing you over the last few days where Biden has uh, started answering questions from you know the press when they just start shouting things. And a couple times where he's actually said, I'm gonna get in trouble for doing this. We should have pulled those up. Maybe we'll, we'll grab some of them for next week where he just goes back to the mic, even though it's very clear that his handlers and whoever's in charge don't want him answering any more questions, but because he's a little screwy in the head and because I think he really does like talking and perhaps because he maybe still thinks he's in charge, he goes back and starts answering. And several times, at least twice this week, he said, oh, I'm gonna be in trouble for this. What an odd thing for the president of the United States to say. I'm gonna be in trouble for this? Who, who exactly is gonna you know, make Joe Biden be in trouble? Uh, isn't he the most powerful guy in the room on the, on the earth in the United States government? Or perhaps not. Uh, then he went on NBC yesterday and uh, talked about masks. And uh, I'm gonna have to put my head on the desk for this one. Go ahead.
CDC guidance this week about outdoor mask wearing. Yeah. A lot of folks excited that they can now shed these masks if they've been double vaccinated. Um, are, are you going to be one of these folks now? We're no longer going to see the president of the United States outside with a mask on? Sure. Sure. I mean, but what I'm going to do, though, when, because the likelihood of my being able to be outside and people not come up to me is not very, very high. So it's like, look, you and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I might you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. And so it's it's, it's a small precaution to take that has a profound impact it's a patriotic responsibility for god's sake it's not patriotic joe and i don't think you know anything about patriotism anymore and also he completely lied right there the implication being that because he's the president that people are allowed to come up to him all the time and it's like actually can you think of anyone in the country who would have less people around them who has more security than this guy maybe our overlord bill gates but besides that Like nobody can get near Joe Biden. So the idea that he has to wear a mask. And there was another video from the other day where he pretty much admitted where he walks out, he goes to the podium, he walks, he's wearing the mask, then takes the mask off there. And it's like, he basically admits, yes, this is all theater. And that is all that it is. And the idea that him and the interviewer there, that they're socially dis, they're both vaccinated. So you vaccine people are now anti-vaxxers, okay? That's what you are. You are far bigger anti-vaxxers than just regular people who don't feel like taking the vaccination, right? You can judge whether those people are right or wrong or whether the science is correct or whatever. You can have all of those discussions, but to have two vaccinated people still social distancing and not sitting there with each other, it's, it's just absolutely insane. And the fact that you would link it to patriotism is just also crazy. This has nothing to do with patriotism. What happened to your body, your choice, right? I guess we don't mean that anymore, right? I thought it was your body, your choice. Now it's, it's your body, our decision, something like that. And it's just these people are just absolutely terrible. I don't like them very much. And now let's do a little Q&A, people. I asked my guys to mix it up today. We shall see what happens. Uh, Questions, of course, were submitted at rubenreport.locals.com. Michael asks, have you ever been hit in the head? (laughs) This This is good, I see what you did there. Have you ever been hit in the head with a box on a plane? So this was submitted by Michael, who's sitting right there, my producer, you son of a diddly. Uh, He said, so what happened was, we're on the plane going to Nashville, and we're in like the third row, and in the first row, the, the flight attendant had the box of snacks. We're on Southwest. They give you a little, you know, it's just like some salty crap in a bag. But she's got the box of this stuff and she's putting it up in the, you know, little overhead above the first seat. She actually dropped the box. The box hit this woman in the head. She fell out of her seat. She was like basically unconscious laying there. You know, so they were trying to find a doctor. Everyone was trying to figure out what to do. And then in a very odd twist of events, she kind of like, it would seem like she couldn't get up, but they kind of moved her up. They, I don't know what happened. I don't want to get anyone in Southwest in trouble. But now I'm going to get people in trouble for this. I don't, I don't know what happened exactly. They decided to take this woman's shirt off. So now there's this woman just laying in the aisle, pretty much like half conscious in her lace bra. Then they picked her up. <laughs> I'm not making any of this up. I think, every, I think she was fine, by the way, at the end. So I don't want anyone to get in trouble here. They put her in the bathroom for like 20 minutes. So you have this woman who is dazed now in her lace bra, just sitting in the bathroom. And I, you know, I thought when someone gets hit in the head with something, the last thing you wanna do is leave them alone, right? You don't want them to fall asleep. Isn't that like a thing? 
Anyway, she eventually stumbles out of the bathroom. They had someone switch seats and she you know, walks down like five, six uh, aisles in her lace bra. <laughs> and, she, and I guess everything worked out. Thank you for including that question, Michael. Okay, Trish says, what are your thoughts on Tim Scott's rebuttal to Biden's congressional address? So we were gonna show some of Scott's rebuttal, but I wanted to get to the Q&A fast. Tim Scott, uh, Republican Senator from South Carolina. This guy is freaking awesome. He is awesome and he is telling the truth. His rebuttal was spectacular. America is not a racist nation. I know that the left is trying to make America a racist nation. They're doing everything they can and perhaps they're succeeding at some level. Um, but I thought his, his response about individual responsibility, about capitalism, about the history of our nation, I thought it was, I thought it was honest, I thought it was decent, I thought it was good. Uh, I'm trying to get Tim Scott on the show. I would love to have a conversation with him. By the way, Tulsi Gabbard, and you know how I feel about her, uh, she sent out a really wonderful tweet crediting Tim Scott for the rebuttal. Now she is, at least as far as I know, still a Democrat, although she's not in government anymore, uh, and he just retweeted it. And it's like, oh, maybe we got something brewing now. Uh, you got a Tulsi Tim Scott situation. Now some, Now there's some interesting alliances happening, right? That, that seems like something. And again, imagine if the Democrats had gone with Tulsi instead of Kamala, like how different the whole world would feel right now. But I thought Tim Scott's um, rebuttal was excellent. I did watch the whole thing. And I also thought that the reaction to it was extraordinary. So um, they basically had Uncle Tim trending on Twitter and it was all leftists saying crazily racist things about him because they don't believe that black people have the capacity to think for themselves and think differently than the oh-so-tolerant progressives do. So when they see a black man saying some stuff that they don't like, he must be an Uncle Tim. He must be worse things than that that I'm not even gonna say right now. And they said some pretty awful things. Twitter actually untrended it. They said, we're not gonna allow this to trend, which in an odd sense, although I don't, you know, I'd prefer that they just leave all of this stuff up. I would leave all of the people up there and leave all the stuff up. But in an odd sense, Twitter just blatantly said, oh, we are not a platform. We are a publisher because when things trend that we don't want to trend, we can remove the trends. In essence saying, oh, we don't deserve those protections that we got from section 230 of the Communications Act. So that was an odd move by Twitter. Um, but if you wanna see some really racist stuff by the tolerant and diverse crew, uh, you should check out some of the things that mainstream Democrats were saying about Tim Scott, uh, including Joy Behar, who once was a decent liberal on The View who has just completely lost her mind. She's been in blackface, by the way, and she was lecturing yesterday, Tim Scott on The View, uh, about what systemic racism is and that he doesn't know what it is. So a, a, a white liberal in blackface is allowed to lecture the, uh, a black Southern Senator who happens to be a Republican and dares think for himself. That's how ridiculous these people are. EJ says that MAGA rallies may start again soon. Do you see them being even more popular now that people are waking up? I have not heard that. Have you, have you heard that? Is that right? Really? Uh, that is fantastic. I am thrilled to hear that. I gotta tell you, and, and I'm sure some of you know this, and we posted some of the video about it. When I started going to some MAGA rallies, they were doing this weekly Sunday rally in Beverly Hills, and one day, I just happened to be driving home and passed one, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go see what it is, and I, had, I really had no idea what to expect. I really, you know, you see them on TV, and you see all the American flags, you see all the Trump flags, and the, and the interesting cast of characters. I didn't know what to expect. 
and all that I saw at every single Trump rally was good, decent people. And I'll tell you, in Beverly Hills, these were not traditional conservatives. There were gays and Latinos and blacks. You guys all know all that stuff and nobody cared about any of that. And as a matter of fact, there was one person there who came up to me and said something about Q and was like running around with the Q sign and everybody was mocking that person. But I know the media wants to frame that these were all crazy conspiracy theorists and white supremacists. It was, it was a true joy. And if they do start them up again, um, whether it even, the, the interesting thing is, does it have to have that much to do with Trump at this point? Like make America great again, the name Trump's not in there. The idea of make America great again, fight for capitalism, fight for the constitution, fight for freedom and individual rights, and, and, and fight for, to retain the 250 year amazing history that this greatest country in the history of the world has had. I will be there, I will have fun, I will not wear a mask, I will be out with the people. So I'm thrilled to hear that that's starting up again. And it sounds like uh, it'll be going next month. That's great, that's great. Giselle says that now that Chauvin has been convicted, do you think that previous criminals that were arrested by Chauvin have a standing to get their convictions overturned? Well, I don't wanna give you a, a completely legal answer on that, because I, I don't know. Like if, it's an, it's an interesting technical question. If they convict a officer for improper behavior, do they get to reopen some of the other cases to see if that similar thing happened? I don't know if, I don't know what the legal answer to that is. I don't even know, you know, if that is that specific to, to a city law or a state law where, where the federal part of that gets involved. My guess is that there's going to be legal teams looking at that stuff. And, and for the record, I wouldn't have a problem if they go through the proper channels as opposed to burning down the courthouses. I wouldn't have a proper, I wouldn't have a problem with them looking at those cases and seeing if he did anything that he shouldn't have done before that. Uh, all right, what do we got next there? Vic says, what do you think about the growing concern that the defund the police movement may result in some sort of federal police force? So this is very interesting because Trump sort of hinted at something like this. When he kept saying, if you guys don't defend your cities, then we'll have to. Everyone kept saying, oh Lord, here comes Hitler, right? He's gonna bring in the Nazi police. They're gonna be taking over these cities. Now, it's funny because at some level, if you're somebody that lives in Portland or Seattle or San Francisco or some of the places where we really see this Antifa BLM violence and, and you know obviously in, in Brooklyn Center, in Minnesota and in Minneapolis and some of these other places. Now, it is true that the majority of the people there voted in progressive policies and are just getting what they voted for. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have law and order, and it doesn't mean that all of the people who didn't vote for it should be subjected to the random violence and the lawlessness. Um, that being said, I don't like the idea of federal troops, you know, in essence, federal, a federal police force, if that's what you wanna call it, or the National Guard, or whatever mechanism that they would wanna use to get more federal troops into our states seems like a very, very, dangerous idea, like you, you don't want that, right? We don't want troops on the streets of our cities. And yet if the progressives continue to get what they want, which is to defund the police, cause all these police officers to retire early. We did the whole story last week about the crazy crime rates that are jumping in every single one of these cases, including murder in all of these cities. Uh, right, like you trust me, you don't wanna go to New York City right now, you don't. I lived there for most of my adult life. I was there for just a couple hours a few weeks ago in Times Square, it was legitimately scary. It, did, it felt like I am legend. It did not feel like the New York City that I, that I knew and loved for, for my whole life, basically. Um, but is the answer federal troops? And then there's this weird thing, which is maybe this is what the progressives want. 
The progressives love power. That is their only quest. Their quest is to destroy stuff now so that there can be enough of a vacuum so they can fill it however they see fit. So maybe in some bizarre sense, they're trying to destroy these cities so that they can go to the federal government and go to old Joe and say, you have to put federal troops on the ground because they really, really love power. So I would not be for it, I don't like it, and I pray that these cities actually reverse some of these policies, which by the way, they're starting to do. They've, they actually, you know, at some point the rubber hits the road and even for sort of brainwashed progressives, they do once they really see the numbers, boy, you know, my whole city is burning down and now that I look at the numbers, you know, I guess a 400% increase in, in murder isn't great. Uh, so now they're reversing some of these policies, they're refunding the police and even in Portland, the, mo the most bananas city in one of the craziest states we've got, well, even in Portland, Ted Wheeler, who has been the sort of worst pandering progressive to BLM and Antifa, in many cases, he's helped them. Uh, now he's pushing back and saying, we've got to figure out who these people are and we can't have chaos on our streets. So, you know, it's like, in many cases, a conservative is just a progressive who, who's been mugged by reality. And again, when I say conservative, I'm always using that wide sense of conservative. Uh, but we're all conservatives now, in essence. You want this thing to continue? Congratulations, you're trying to conserve the United States of America. And that does involve a little bit of law and order. Uh, Big Poppy says, what is our canary in the coal mine moment that once that happens, there's no coming back? Whew, that's a good one. I had to take a deep breath on that one. That is a good one. You know, I think in some respects, in some respects, we may have passed it. We may have passed that moment because the moment, doesn't it feel, you know, I always say how it's like time is moving faster now. And what we talk about a week ago, it's like that's already irrelevant because we move on to the next crisis and everything else. And I think that that's partly how it's all designed right now. Like our awful politicians, our horrible corporate media and then algorithms and Twitter that make everything come faster. Like we, we're unable to like see if there was a true, you know, canary in the coal mine moment, a, a true like this is the warning you all must wake up to moment. Well, first off, half the country wouldn't believe that it was the moment. The other half wouldn't believe that the other guys don't believe it. Like it would just, there's nothing that we can all sort of agree on in that sense, which always gets me back to that, that local thing, that city thing, that state thing, your local community thing. Go to a place like Nashville where there's good, decent people who know how to protect themselves. I don't think there is a, a canary in the coal mine moment coming. There are little moments, you know, just last week we, po we posted my interview with, or did we post it this week actually? Um, man, you travel and there's a lot going on. We posted this week my interview with Paul Rossi, who's the, the teacher at Grace Church School in New York. This is a lifelong liberal at a liberal elite school in New York City. And then they allow racism under the guise of diversity and tolerance come in there and they start telling white kids how evil they are and he's starting to fight back. So that's a little bit of a canary moment for the people at that school that want to still be woken up or that have the ability to be still woken up or who aren't completely brainwashed. So we need more of these moments, but I don't think that there will be a, a full canary moment for the country where it'll be like, holy cow, socialism's here, communism's here, Marxism's here. It's kind of like, it's the slow creep. And one of the things that these guys talk about is the slow march through the institutions, that they were gonna do this slowly because you can't just do it overnight because enough people would wake up. If, you, if it's one day everything's fine and the next day we're, we're, all hell is breaking loose, people would be like, whoa, we gotta do something. But if you do it over the course of years, which is kind of what happened here, a lot of people struggle with that wake up because people think, oh, things will get back to normal. And that's why it's so dangerous 
when Joe Biden, oh, you know, it's 100 days with the masks and then that passes, and two weeks to flatten the curve and then that passes. Like the canaries that are set up, those are supposed to be the canaries, these moments. Well, you know, I remember back in, I mean, find the videos of it, of me last April, a year ago, when they were like, oh, California will be closed till August 1st. And I was like, no, it isn't. Because of course, once August 1st rolls around, they're gonna extend that. By the way, August 1st, that was about nine months ago. And now this buffoon Gavin Newsom still has us in this lockdown until June 15th. And we'll see what happens then, right? And, and de Blasio, that evil freak in New York City, He's got them locked down. He's now saying we'll open up on July 1st. They're literally just making up dates. So I think the canary's been shot, basically. The canary died of an overdose and you can't wait for him anymore. You gotta figure out how to, how to maximize your life and your family's life and your values and your beliefs. You gotta figure out how to protect them. It's on you to do it. Uh, Lance says, why do you think the left places more emphasis on the spectrum of gender and not race? This is an interesting question and it's like, you know, they're really black and white when it comes to race, right? You're either black or white. And if you're black, you're oppressed. And if you're white, you're the oppressor. But when it comes to gender, there's a gajillion genders and we can choose all the genders and you can wake up one day and be another gender and you can change your, your IDs and all of that stuff. So they're very black and white when it comes to one thing. And then they're very not black and white, no pun intended, when it comes to the other. Um, you know, I think it's partly because they've used gender, well, I'll, I'll answer it this way, actually. I think it's partly because they've used race first as the ultimate crudgel. It's the one that you can just see just like that. Oh, that's a black person, that's a white person. Now, of course, the irony to that is there's many mixed people. Barack Obama, our president, who the progressives will, will learn to hate over time, um, you know, his mother was white, his father was black. It was very obvious that he, he visually, I suppose, looked more uh, black, but you know, a lot of people thought he talked white. So what do we do with this confusing mess of things? You know, frankly, I don't care about either of those things. Uh, you either believe that the beliefs and policies he was putting into place were good or not. At the time, I kind of thought that they were, and I voted for the guy twice, and I regret it, and I apologize, and if I can send you all a dollar or two, you just let me know. Um, but they've looked at gender because it's sort of thought of as the obvious one, where the, uh, sorry, race as the obvious one, where gender becomes this other thing. You know, you're a boy, you identify as a girl, you're trans, or you want to dress this way, or whatever all of that stuff is. And this is why the trans issue has become what I would say is it's, it's become sort of this, this crazy vehicle for a lot of other stuff. So I'll do the part, so you losers at Media Matters, when you clip this video, it's just gonna be out there. I'll do the part with the caveats, which is that I want people to live whatever life they wanna live. I don't care if anyone's transgendered, and if you are an adult and you wanna transition, that's fine. I don't think the government has to pay for it. I don't think your employer has to pay for it. And I certainly don't think children should be doing it. And I know that all makes me a right-wing racist. Um, but that's just my personal belief on that. Uh, thank you very much. Um, but you can do whatever you want as an adult. You cannot have a situation, which is where we're headed right now, where we're gonna be teaching this stuff in schools. We're gonna be then, I mean, we will get to the point. I guarantee this is what the progressives want with everything. We will get to the point where five-year-olds at schools are gonna say, I wanna be the other gender, my parents won't let me be there, and then teachers are gonna be reporting parents, and we will have some sort of social services that are gonna to try to take parents away from kids. I think there's even an, a case of that happening in Canada right now. There is no there there, you understand? There's no bottom to the endless pit that the left is bringing us, that they're pushing us all into. They're pushing us into a, a pit, and you know, if the pit had a bottom, a 
10-foot bottom, at some point we'd be able to climb out of it. But they're pushing us into a bottomless pit. And that is why this thing is so dangerous. That, by the way, if you haven't read it, uh, Douglas Murray's last book, The Madness of Crowds, and Douglas is one of, the, one of the great thinkers, I would say the great conservative thinkers we have on planet Earth. Uh, he is a British conservative. He so happens to be gay. Um, and I think that we've talked about it, actually. That perhaps gives him a little extra insight into some of this stuff. Right, you're a little more sensitive to some of this stuff. But in The Madness of Crowds, one of the great things that he does in the book is he separates the, the gay rights issue, which was a, a march for equality, right? It was a march for, can we enter the same contracts as heterosexual people, meaning can we get married? And, and by the way, marriage and then family are the basic building blocks of Western civilization. So these are things that I believe that if you're a true conservative, you should be for. You're still entitled to your private religious beliefs on whatever you may think about homosexuality or anything else, but you, in essence, want people to be able to build families. That's a, that's a key thing, right, to the operation of a, of a flourishing society. What Douglas did in his book is he separates the gay issue, and the gay rights issue, from the trans issue, which is a very, very different beast, and you can see it just bursting forth throughout society. All right, let me go a little quicker here. Uh, Jay says, you still owe us a book tour. We can call it Be Free to Breathe Tour when you come to Texas again. Yes, you know, by the way, Don't Burn This Book came out a year ago, two days ago, Wednesday, it was a year. It's a, I mean, that's how fast time flies. Absolutely crazy. I was supposed to be on a book tour. We were doing like 40 US cities and then I was gonna go to, I was gonna go to Europe. We were gonna do Eastern Europe and Western Europe. I was gonna go to Australia and all these things. We're working on it. Uh, as I told you guys a week or so ago, I just handed in my second manuscript. So my next book, which we'll announce over the next couple of weeks, uh, will be out, I believe in April of next year. So one year from now, which is a kind of funny thing about the publishing process. Like the ideas that I included in this book that I just finished, they're gonna be all hot a year from now because that's when I'll do all the press about them. That's what it'll all be being talked about. And that's one of the weird things about writing books. It's just sort of a, the machinery around it is kind of old, because I would love to get these, you know, these are ideas that I talk about now, but like the world kind of catches up in a later. So as my, my friend Andrew, who I used to write comedy with, used to say to me, Dave, we're so ahead of the curve, we're behind it. Uh, Craig says, please tell us of your fine Nashville dining selections. I'm living vicariously over here. So I only had about, we had roughly 48 hours there. We arrived really late with the connecting flight. We got there at 1 a.m. What was the name of the place I wrote it down? We went to a honky-tonk on, uh, oh, here we go. We went to a honky-tonk on Broadway over there. And you know, every first off, I couldn't believe that people were out and about, no masks, and people were singing and dancing and having a ball, and it was just great. And I'm walking, we're trying to find a place to eat, and this guy grabs me, he's like, Dave Rubin, you gotta come in here, man. We were at Roberts on Western World. Roberts on Western World, is that what it's called? Robert's Western World, uh, and they did have fried bologna sandwich. Uh, I, I felt that at 1 a.m., uh, and I had to be you know, on camera the next morning early, I couldn't do the fried bologna sandwich. I had a great cheeseburger though, and you know, greasy and the fries and everything else. And then the guy who was singing, they were doing some Johnny Cash stuff. Turned out he was a fan and a couple other people. And just people were just having fun and enjoying themselves, and it was just great. Um, and then uh, I only had one other night and actually uh, Candace made me dinner. So uh, unless she's running a restaurant, you can't have that. Mark says, Dave, you have killer hair. Can you share with us what product you use? Uh, so you guys know my, my hair has been an adventure because uh, as I talk about in my book, I developed alopecia areata a couple of years ago when I first started getting hate and it's a, basically an autoimmune situation where your hair just starts falling out. Your, your white blood cells start attacking your hair follicles. They don't even know why, so they can really only chalk it up to stress. 
Um, I developed it a couple of years ago. At one point, I had lost about 40% of my hair. I posted a picture about it once. It was pretty miserable. I went on some really awful medications that caused me to be really bloated and I looked exhausted, bags under my eyes and itchy and red and, and gross and it was really quite awful. What I did to deal with that was, was change how I deal with stress, that was one thing. Uh, and, and um, well, not spend as much time online, right? That had something to do with it too. That's when I started the August off the grid situation and, and not take so much of the hate so seriously and, and all of that kind of stuff. I also changed my diet where I went to more of like a carb-free situation. I do, as I said, I ate cheeseburgers, so I do some of that, but I changed my diet, more anti-inflammatory stuff. We got a, uh, an infrared sauna, which actually are not that expensive, which I try to do in the morning every day, although I did not do it this morning because I was very busy. Um, but you specifically, and in any instance, this, my hair all grew back. My hair actually grew back. What product do you use? I use Oribe Dry Texturizing Spray. It ain't cheap, I'm warning you, Mark. It ain't cheap, but you press this thing and it's like, boom. Like, it's like the freaking like force out of a can and it will, it'll get the hair alive. And then I use the Oribe Dry, uh, not Dry Texturizing Spray, that's what I use for that. The uh, fine, it's a fine something hairspray, which is like the softest, lightest hairspray. So you're still gonna get the nice bounce. And uh, I can tell you that one advantage of being in LA, there's no humidity. So you can pretty much do anything you want with your hair. Nashville, it was, my hair was a little flatter. You'll see that probably tonight on Candace, 6 p.m. Eastern on dailywire.com. Reminder guys, part three of my interview with Mark Levin, who has been, I'm sorry, that's 6 p.m. Pacific for Candace, is that right? Okay. Um, part three of my interview with Mark Levin, uh, who has been fighting for so many of the causes that I have come to believe in for many, many years before me. That is up on YouTube right now. And of course, the full episode is up ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. The Paul Rossi interview, the, the teacher who I referenced earlier, liberal teacher mugged by liberalism, uh, that is up on YouTube right now. We posted part one it was a busy week, posted part one of my interview with Nikki Haley, which we did here in studio, my first in-studio interview in a long time. We did a little makeshift situation, but we're gonna work on, uh, on filling out the studio and so I can do some more stuff in person. Part one is up on YouTube right now because it was about the John Kerry incident that everybody was talking about this week. This week. The rest of it will be up next week. And for more, if you wanna play along and see what I'm eating, what I'm listening to, what else I'm doing over the weekend and just Share good things about life as opposed to endless politics and hate. Uh, you can join us at rubenreport.locals.com. And by the way, we've got an iOS app, so an Apple app and a, uh, an Android app that you can get on Google Play. And there's push notifications and live chat. When I'm on the plane, I was doing live chat with people. We'll be testing out live video streaming, I think in about a week. A lot of good stuff happening. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy the weekend. I hope that you've enjoyed our time together. 42 minutes, is this the longest one I've ever done? This might be the longest direct message I've ever done, people. What a day, what a day. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.